So we're, uh, we're continuing our series in the Sermon on the Mount. This is a mini-series within the series called uh, Things That Last. And today, uh, as, as Doug has, has mentioned, we're going to be talking about our words. Uh, it's a big week uh, for us because um, for the men uh, and some of the women, uh, today is the Super Bowl. And for those of you who don't care about sports ball, you just don't even need to worry about it. It's just going to happen whether you like it or not. But then women have their revenge because uh, on Wednesday, it's Valentine's Day. Um, so if you haven't, guys, you still got a little bit of time. Um, I'm ahead of the game this year. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> usually I'm like, usually I'm like the December 24th, February 13th guy. But uh, this year um, I made some notes uh, in my calendar and she, she's not here, right? She can't hear us. Uh, so I got her, um, I got her a $300 gift card to Glen Ivy Hot Springs. Yeah. I'm hoping that she'll take me because they, they have this thing. Yeah. Where you can like, you can like, like, uh, swim in the mud. <laughs> uh, and then like let it bake on you. It's supposed to be really good for your skin. I could use that. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But what, why do we do, um, Valentine's Day? What, I mean, what's the point, right? Well, the point is, uh, to make sure that, um, our significant other continues to feel that the, the promise we made to have and to hold to love is still true, right? That's one of the things that we do in Valentine's. That's one of the things that makes Valentine's Day really hurt for people who are single or who have been victimized by divorce because it's a reminder that that someone lied or someone didn't fulfill that promise to continue loving. And so um, for those of you, we're with you and, and man, um, we want to be there for you. So let's take a look um, at what Jesus has to say about words. And I think what we're going to find is that, that Jesus is talking about vows and oaths. But he's talking about something much bigger. And, and we're going to pick apart the text. We're going to see that. And we're going to see how that matters for us as we start to think about the way we speak and, and how we act and live um, going forward. So let's take a look at the text. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago. And Jesus is quoting here um, really from kind of a, a pastiche of three different texts. Uh, one from Leviticus, uh, one from Deuteronomy, uh, and one from Exodus. But in all of them, in all of them, Jesus, uh, the God says to Israel, don't break your oath. Especially if you swear by my name. Do not, like, if, if, if you've made an oath, especially, especially if you take my name and say, I swear by the God of Israel that this shall be done, don't break it. Okay? And that's what they've heard. Well, Jesus is going to expand that. He's going to say, but I tell you, don't swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by the earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it's the, ki- the city of the great king, capital G, capital K, in God. And do not swear by your head, for you can't even make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. That's a, that's a powerful, powerful thing to say, and, and it should put us on notice, okay? Uh, to, let's break it apart though. Like, what, what exactly, um, is Jesus talking about here? Because there's a significant, uh, difference in cultures. And so, um, yeah, so, it, what, what's going on here is that in the ancient world, you would swear, if you made an oath or you were swearing by something, you, you chose what it was that you wanted to swear by. And the, and the, 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 the holier or closer to God that it got, the, the closer you, it was, the more serious it became. 
All right. And so, you know, what Jesus is saying is don't just, don't just worry about the oaths that you take in, in, in God's name, but even, um, you know, by heaven. Why? Because it's God's throne. Don't even swear by the earth. Why? It's his footstool, not by Jerusalem. Why? Because it's the city of God. Don't swear by your head. Why? Because you have no power over your, over your head. You have no power over when uh, your hair is white or black. The only person who does is God. Now, this, again, very odd for us. We, we, for the most part, the only time we would hear some, we would never do this. We would never do any of this in, in, in our context. Um, but there are cultures where they're, that are alive where this is still a real thing. And I have a picture here of modern-day Israel. This is uh, Jerusalem. This is the Shuk. Uh, this is the uh, Shuk is a marketplace in Hebrew. And uh, if you go to this place or you go really to anywhere in the Middle East and you see how, how uh, eco- the economy is conducted, you will notice that they don't have what we have in America where it's like $8, take it or leave it, right? Everything is up for grabs. Everything is up for haggling. Now this, uh, if you've been to a culture where this is real, it might have made you really uncomfortable. It's had, Americans and Westerners tend to be very uncomfortable because we, we feel like we're, you know everyone's trying to take advantage of each other, and and the situation gets gets very. I, I don't I don't want that kind of confrontation over whether or not I'm going to get a you know a, a, a rug. Like I, I just want the rug. Just let me know because what happens in the situation, right, is at some point, at some point during the negotiation, the uh, the the person who's the, the proprietor is going to say, "That's it. I can't go any lower. I swear on my mother's grave." And then you're like, "Ooh." He must be very serious. This is definitely as low as he can go. Eh, wrong. It's a negotiation tactic. We'll talk about a little bit more about that. But what Jesus is saying, he's, he's like, he's like, anytime you make a, a, a promise or a vow, no matter what you make it on, even if it's just a promise, you are invoking God. Whether you like it or not. Why? Because if you swear by the earth, well, guess who made the earth? God. You swear by your head? Well, guess who made your head? God. There's not, there's no promise that you can make that isn't implicitly invoking the power and authority and integrity of the king of the universe. And so the first thing in your note sheets is this. Jesus teaches that everything is God's. Therefore, every vow is made in his name. Promise breakers beware. It brings up a couple of questions. Are we promise breakers? Uh, do people trust you? Do people trust you when you say you're going to do something? Why or why not? Um, we got Olivia for uh, her big Christmas gift. We, I should say Aaron. Aaron got her a, uh, a, uh, a gaming chair. Okay, for those of you who don't know, my daughter is a big fan of Fortnite. And um, one of the cool things now is that you can get these really special, high-quality gaming chairs so that you can game for hours on end without ever, you know, getting back soreness, anything like that. So it literally, it even has like, it's, it's called the massage thing, but really it's just like a, a little piece of fabric that goes, but it's supposed to keep the blood flowing to her lower body as she's, you know, headshotting, whatever. Well... Okay, I, I, I hate it because I had to put it together, which brings us to the point. All right, 
I put that together and then we gave it to her and it turns out it's too large for the table where our PC is. And so for two months, it has been sitting there behind her as she's looked longingly at it, believing that it would help her game better, but she can't use it. And so she and Aaron uh, got together. They went on Amazon or something like that, and they ordered a table that has way more space underneath. And so it came on Thursday, I think, maybe Friday. And Olivia was so excited. She's like, Dad, will you put this table together for me? I was like, like, oh, my gosh. I can't say no, right? But I was really tired. I didn't want to do that. on It was Friday. I didn't want to do that on Friday at night. Like at 6 p.m. on Friday, the last thing I'm ready to do is put together a table. Even if it's simple, I'm not good at this stuff. I'm probably going to have to go on YouTube to figure out, you know, which one. The, the instructions are n- never good enough for me. I don't have the spatial intelligence to do even the simplest of construction. And so I'm just like, right now, honey, no. But, you know, I promise I'll do it tomorrow. Saturday. The table remains unbuilt. I know. And that might seem like not a big deal. But you do that enough. And people, children, whoever, start to lose their faith in you. It's the next question. Do you find yourself needing to make promises to gain trust or compliance? That was what I did, right? I was like, so Olivia's like, can, can you... Can you I, I don't want to deal with this right now. So I promise I'll do it tomorrow. What did I get? I got some peace, right? Hopefully not too great a cost. And that kind of brings us to why people promise so, uh, and why they take vows and swear. So uh, look back again back at the text. Look at what Jesus says. Why, why uh, are, are people by doing this? Right? Um, do not swear an oath at all. Uh, oh, wait, no, not that one. The other one. It's, wait, no, no, it's this one. Yeah. Don't swear an, uh, an oath at all. Don't sw- swear by heaven. Okay? Or by the earth. Or by Jerusalem. Or by your head. Why not do those things? Well, because every time you're doing it, what you're doing is you're manipulating the person that you're swearing to. That's the point of promises, primarily in the ancient world, especially in a world where people are constantly, relationships, you're, you're wondering who has credibility and who doesn't. But then Jesus goes to the next level. He says, anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Anything beyond yes or no, I will do it, I won't, comes from the evil one. It could be uh, that the Greek is ambiguous there. It could be comes from evil, uh, but other places where Jesus uses this language tend to invoke the devil. So literally, Jesus is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Anytime you say, you say anything beyond, I'll do it or I won't, you are, that's coming from the, the devil. Now, if you've been following this series, you know what I'm about to say. Jesus is not, that, that's not literally true, okay? Jesus is using hyperbole. Okay, if you, if you, you know, your, your daughter comes to you and is like, can you make this table for my gaming PC? And you say, I promise I will, and you don't. Okay, that is not from the devil. It's still sin, it's wrong, but it's not like, it, that's a little over the top. That's, that's a beyond, um, what Jesus, Jesus is using hyperbole to emphasize what, how important our words are. How important our, tr- uh, trusting us and really integrity is. 
That's the next thing on your note sheets. The, the reason people used vows is it helped gain trust. Okay? Jesus goes to the next level with don't even swear by your head or anything and because all it's from, from the e- evil one. Because he wants us to know how important our individual personal integrity is. Uh, Lou tells a story. Um, I've looked it up on the internet. I can't confirm that it's real. So, Lou, I don't know. I mean, I, maybe. We'll see. I have, to, I have to go to the Latin sources, apparently, to find out. But uh, it, it, it's a beautiful illustration of what integrity is. Um, and I have a picture here of, of Roman soldiers. So the, the, the story goes that um, in, in ancient Rome, when soldiers were being uh, brought out for inspection— their uh, commanding officer would stand in front of them to see whether or not they had properly cared for and applied their equipment. And they got a lot going on. There's breastplates, there's this, there's that. And you can see in these uh, recreations, there's lots of straps, okay? And if the soldier had properly put the armor on, the straps would be tight and secure. And so when the commanding officer is in front of them, they would strike their chest and it would make a very particular sound, indicating that the, the, all of the parts were equally and perfectly in harmony, completely whole and undivided. And as they did that, they would use uh, the Latin word from which we get integrity, integritas. Integritas. And if you heard the sound, you would know that they were full, complete, whole, ready for battle. The same thing happens in our lives. The question we have to ask ourselves is, are we whole? Are we complete? That's what integrity is. It's, a, it's about being a person who is honest and dependable. It's the next thing on your note sheets. A person with integrity is whole, honest, and dependable. This doesn't mean that a person with integrity never makes mistakes. Okay? What it means is that a person of integrity values very much their reputation, and, and the, the ability to do right, to say right, so that others can reliably uh, trust them. Do we have it? This brings up a, a couple of questions about integrity. Have you ever lost somebody's trust? How? Why? The first time I remember losing someone's trust, it was the fault of the Nintendo Entertainment System. I, uh, my dad co-managed my Little League team. This is 1987, 88. Uh, it's the, really, it's, it's burned, seared in my memory. Um, and he co-managed with a guy named Gary. And Gary had a son, Stuart, uh, who was our, our catcher. And Stuart and I became friends. And I believe at the time, my parents were really hoping um, to share the gospel with this family. I, 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 if memory serves, I think they were kind of lapsed Catholic, something like that. But the, I think my, my parents were really hoping that they could share the, the good news of, of Jesus with them and encourage them to develop a, a personal relationship with him. And so it happened that Stuart, his son, invited me to come and have a sleepover. And my dad is like, looks me in the eye, and he's like, this is the first time we've ever had this with this family. It's a, you know, this is a stepping over. This is a new level of intimacy when, you know, you let your kid spend the night. And so he's looking at me, he's like, you, you, you better be good. 
you honor and respect Gary and his wife? Okay, I will. Well, uh, my parents were cruel, and they never bought me a Nintendo Entertainment System in the 1980s. The very first gaming uh, I ever had was a Game Boy. And so I was obviously deprived, and as it turned out, when we walked into Stewart's in their living room, there it was, a brand new, high-functioning Nintendo Entertainment System. And just above it, um, I used to read a lot of magazines about video games, was the newest game that had come out that I was desperate to play. It was called Kid Icarus. Kid Icarus. In Kid Icarus, uh, the, the best is when there's an eggplant that jumps and gloms on your head at a certain point and stops you from attacking. I know this because for the moment that we sat down in there to until we passed out at 4.35 a.m., all Stuart and I did was play Kid Icarus. And the whole time, Gary is like, hey, guys, why don't you come outside and play? Why don't you, why don't you come out and, 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 you know, sit in the, sit in the hot tub with me and, and we're gonna cook and why don't you guys, and just over and over, and Stuart was like, no dad. And I just went along with it. Because man, this game was great. When my dad, uh, and my mom picked me up, um, I think, you know, Gary was like, these stupid boys, they, all they wanna do is play video games and blah, blah, blah. We get in the car and my dad's like, you promised. We took a big leap here letting you go to this family and spend time with them. We were expecting you to respect them, and you didn't, because what you wanted mattered more to you. He was right. That's why I remember it so vividly. And then he said this next thing. He said, Tom, you've lost our trust. How are you going to get it back? That's the next question that this teaching brings up. Has someone ever earned back your trust after losing it? What did it take and why? Have you had to earn trust back? Well, fortunately for us, Jesus, uh, it's not in the Sermon on the Mount, but later in uh, Matthew, in Matthew 18, Jesus kind of gives us a a, a several-step program for regaining trust from those who've lost it. Let's look at it. It's Matthew 18. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. This is what happened with me and my dad, right? Like, he was like, you you messed up. And I said, you're right. And I, I believe I cried a lot. Um, Because I felt so bad. Um, But because there was an acknowledgement, you know, he didn't shame me too much. (laughs) Just my mom was there. uh, And now you are the only other people who ever knew that any of this happened. Um, If they listen to you, you've won them over, right? But what my dad did is he came right to me. He's like, look, you have broken my trust. You've, You've hurt me. And now I want you to think about that. Now, sometimes that doesn't work. If they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Why is this important? Why is this so critical? Well, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of us who really hate confrontation. We really don't like it. I'm one. I don't love confrontation. I'll do it if I have to, but I don't like it. Um, and one of the things that you find is that, uh, 
You know, someone makes a mistake. They hurt you. They hurt somebody else. You don't want to, like, get in their ear about it. But it's not, it's not, it's kind of feels good to let other people know, right? Get it off your chest. Vent, right? A lot of us, um, that's <laughs> our spouses, like, it's a huge thing, like, uh, for me and Aaron, you know, like, <laughs> You know, it's a bad day at work and, you know, this parent or this kid did this and she, da, 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 da. And, and, and I, I provide a safe place for that, right? For her to, and the, because in the end, she's just venting and she doesn't really have an issue with this parent or student or whatever. She just wants to, that's, that's fine. But what if, what if over and over and over and got me to the point where I wanted to do something about it. That parent has no idea. And yet, we've created division. That's why confrontation is so, so, so critical. And that's why Jesus says, if you want to get somebody's trust back, you have to address the issue. They have to know. And you have to... They have to decide whether or not they are willing to, and you have to be willing to let that happen. And you don't give up on them. If if, if the the first encounter doesn't go well, don't, don't give up, get some others along, let them be there, bear witness to see what, you know, who's, who's right, who's wrong. And if they still refuse, well then, I think the last question about regaining trust is this. Are there people in your life who you can't trust anymore? Um, this is the thing. A lot of times uh, people can use the, the, the hate we have to try and reconcile um, thing so much that uh, abuse can take place. That, that happens, right? Where someone continues to let you down um, over and over. They keep hurting you. Even though you've done these things, right? You've, you've talked to them. You've brought others along. It continues to happen. Well, that's a bad situation. That's no good. If you haven't been there yet, if you haven't been there yet, then, then by all means, try to, to save the relationship. But, but if that happens, what does Jesus say? Uh, go back to the text. If they still don't listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to have the whole congregation there, maybe not everybody, but if a portion of the congregation comes and says, you need to stop this, then you, you, you got to say no. Can't let the abuse continue. I think even this, because Jesus says, yeah, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Remember this, though. How does Jesus treat pagans and tax collectors? I think what uh, Jesus is saying, he's like, look, you need to set up those, those barriers. You need to have that protection. But you also, let's never close the door 100%. If someone comes to genuine repentance and reconciliation, like... Maybe you're distrustful because like a pagan and tax collector, they've hurt you a lot. But maybe you you pray through it. It could happen. That's integrity. And when Jesus is talking about vows and he's talking about promises, what he's really talking about is whether or not your words carry weight, whether or not you have integritas. Because when you do, when you have that, The last thing on your note sheets. When you have integrity, yes or no is always enough. There's some of us here um, who need a restart on integrity. We do. 
there's some of us here who need um, to repent and say, I, yeah, my words, they're, they're, they're cheap, and I use them to get what I want, and I need to do better. There's also some of us here who have integrity, but have been wrongly accused and have been hurt because of it. I've known a number of people over the years who were accused of things that were wrong, that weren't real, and they got their names dragged through the mud, and that is a horrible, horrible process. Maybe you're that person. You're that person who lives with integrity, and you get slapped for it. You get kicked in the knees for it. That's okay. It's not okay, but it's that here in this place, we are going to bind those wounds. We are going to give you a fair shot and see if your yes is yes and your no is no. And that's our goal. Remember, the kingdom of heaven, uh, we've said this many times, it's the future. We are only doing our best to create a little bit of it here and now. And so we're never going to be perfect about making sure integrity is always enough here. But we're going to try. We're going to try to be people whose yeses are yeses, whose noes are noes. And we're going to try to be people who are, whose words carry weight so that they can be few. So we don't have to, to, to cajole and, and spit, you know, word after word after word and rant and all the things to get what we want. Instead, we can be people whose our, our, our words are few. And in that, we can honor each other and the God who's given us the truth. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, your word is truth. You are truth. And when we live in light of that, God, we have integrity. And we we pray right now, God, some of us, we just confess that we haven't been living with integrity. We've, our words have been cheap or they've been sent to the wrong places. We've been using um, promises to get what we want. Or we refused to let someone who's lost our trust try to regain it. God, there's also some here who um, have integrity, but it's been impugned, it's been um, accused, it's been slashed and, and smashed. And even though they know that their yes is yes and their no is no, God, they still hurt because of the accusations and broken relationships. God, give them comfort. Let them know that you are everywhere. You know the truth. You've seen their heart. And give us the grace to build them up. And lastly, God, we praise you for this church. We praise you for so many people whose word is their bond. So many people who are trustworthy, who really have been transformed, whose thoughts and words carry significant weight because they are backed by the truth. We praise you, God, for raising these saints up and and may their, their witness and their example expand to others. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.